In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Grace and peace to you from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Sin and death are clearly present in our world. Anybody can see this, and yet our world tries to deny it. People try to redefine what is and isn't a sin, or they try to claim everything is permissible, and that right and wrong are only relative terms. That is until they themselves are hurt or attacked or wronged by someone who claims that their actions were right or justified. When it comes to sin, our world has this problem of trying to hide it by saying it isn't wrong or trying to pin the blame on someone or something else. How many people blame the system for theirs and other people's evil actions? How many people claim someone else is at fault? Of course, it may be true that other people bear some responsibility for their evil, or that the system, as it is, promotes or perpetuates evil, but that excuse doesn't excuse your evil. I have told my kids this. Just because he said mean things or even lied doesn't make your hitting him right. Just consider how Adam does not get a pass in today's text, even though it was the serpent that tempted him and Eve. God does not say that sin and death came through the devil. Rather, the Holy Spirit, through Paul, says that sin and death came through one man who transgressed God's commandment. This, of course, refers to Adam, who had the clear command of God in the Garden of Eden not to eat the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He knew God's command. He heard it straight from God before Eve was created. Adam was not deceived. Eve, though, is deceived, as St. Paul testifies in 1 Timothy chapter 2. This fact implies that Eve was taught the command from Adam, who God had set up as the head of humanity and the head of the first family. Adam had received a position of honor and great responsibility. But Adam misused his headship to serve himself and plunged all of us into sin and subsequent death. We can note this in the text from Genesis 3. The eyes of both are open, but only after Adam has also sinned. Contrary to a skit I saw at a national youth gathering over 20 years ago, Genesis 3 does not depict Eve eating and then lying to Adam about the fruit in an order to get him to also eat it. Such would have meant that Adam was deceived too. But neither Adam nor Scripture claims that Eve deceived him. Instead, Adam bears the primary responsibility for the sin and fall of man. It's good for us to pause for a moment and ask, what should Adam have done? 
Well, we know Eve shouldn't have listened to the voice of the serpent, but what of Adam? We often talk about him intervening and speaking and instead of silently standing by while Eve sins as something he should have done. He should have acted to protect Eve and warn her against the serpent's lies. And if she still ate, he should have laid down his own life for her, sacrificed himself for her. But he didn't. He joined in the sin with her, even completed the sin by bringing sin into the world and causing death to enter into the lives of all people. <coughs> and this is clear in Romans 5, which speaks of sin, not as something impersonal, but as a personal force that has come into being in the world. The Greek in Romans chapter 5, verse 12, makes this clear. A literal translation reads along these lines. On account of this, just as through one man the sin entered into the world, and through the sin the death, in this manner also the death penetrated into all men in whom all sinned. Adam's sin was the sin that brought the death. It is this capital S sin that has reigned over men and brought the capital D death that has plagued us since that sin. And this sin is the great transgression, man's rebellion against God. Through one man, the rebellion of humankind entered into the world. Through one man, the rebellion began. And sadly, all of us have followed in that rebellion. None of us have departed from that way. Not one of us has chosen a different path. Even those who did not have a specific revealed command of God to disobey, even these did not depart from the sin of Adam. We have all rebelled. Such rebellion is clear in this world. No doubt you can recount man's inhumanity against man. How people subjugate others, take advantage of those with less power than them, even praising a life lived for their own self-centered ends. But for us today, we should recognize how we have contributed to this world of sin. Yes, Adam's sin brought us into this life of sin, brought us condemnation and judgment, and brought us death's reign and rule. We have each added to Adam's sin. For just like Adam, we have broken the first commandment. We have not feared, loved, and trusted in God above all things. We have feared men more. We have trusted in ourselves and our reasoning more. We have loved and given greater regard to the people and things of this world rather than seeking to honor God and keep his command, keep his word. 
And how many times, how many times have we considered the word of God as less important than our daily bread? And not just our daily bread, but the work we do and the things we do to relax and unwind. From watching TV to reading books to our ritual me time, our dessert indulgence. We have considered these essential activities. And we have put off reading God's word until later. Which means it often gets bumped from the schedule as we run out of time in the day. Add to this that since the heads of household are not setting the good example or leading in this, it's only getting worse. We follow in the pattern of the sin of our father and head, Adam. And just as those around us, and like the Israelites before us, we test God to see if he really means what he says. Did God really say not to do this? If God is a loving God, he won't punish me for this. Other people are getting away with doing this. Since God hasn't punished them, why shouldn't I get to do it too? We walk in the way of Adam trying to defend our rebellion against God, trying to hide ourselves from prosecution and serving others, all the while complaining. When other people do not do what we think is right, or when someone's transgression of God's boundaries brings harm or trouble upon us. And so we get the full reward for our sin and transgression. Death. What a terror that reigns in this world. I bet you remember that funeral that really hurt. That day death became real to you. That time sin's sting stung you deeply. Whether that scar is a distant memory or a present reality, it has stuck with you, changed your whole world, your whole view of the world, opened your eyes to the reality of what sin has brought you and me. Not only does every death remind us that we too will die, and not only does death hurt because we are separated from our loved one. But every death also hurts because we know that we are also responsible. Death reigns in this world because all of us have sinned. Not one of us is the part of the pattern of Adam. We all live under his headship and we are all contributed to and embraced his fall in our own lives. Death makes our sin painfully clear. Even in our society that has tried to gloss over death with celebrations or with evolutionary claims that death is good because it makes room for the next generation of people and allows for the evolution of our species. Funny how I've never heard a funeral message say, It is good that Grandma has died. 
because now her grandchildren and great-grandchildren have more access to more resources and can grow into better people, more advanced people with her God. No one says that because no one finds any real consolation in such a ridiculous philosophy. Death is clearly a force and in force in our world. We hear it more and more. More deaths, more loss of life, younger people dying, a decline in the quality of life and a decline in the number of years people live. All of this says to you and me, repent. That's the clear message here. Turn away from sin. Turn away from your rebellion. Instead, turn to God. Turn to the Lord. For there is true hope. There is true consolation in the midst of your sorrow. Yes, death has penetrated our lives. But death's reign has been upended. Adam was a type of the future Adam. As the first Adam brought sin, death, and condemnation, and punishment upon all those under his headship, that is all people, so now the new Adam has brought life, redemption, grace, and justification to all under his headship. Jesus Christ has brought forward a new kingdom, a new reigning, the reign of life, which flows abundantly from him. He has laid forward something greater than the sin. He has put forward his obedience and righteousness. The obedience and righteousness of a whole life lived from conception until death. The obedience of a life lived loving others, that sacrificed for others, that received the punishment of all sinners, that sacrificially gave and obediently took what he himself did not deserve or earn, that bore with us in our sin in order to deliver us from all sin into his forgiveness. As Adam took of the tree in rebellion and brought death, so Jesus obediently let himself be pinned to the wood of a cut-down tree and brought life. As Adam represented all of humanity and brought us this world of trouble and ruin, so Christ represented all of humanity and brings us a renewed world of resurrection. And restoration. In Jesus, our hope is restored. And death is overturned. In our lives, death's reign is not absolute. Nor is sin's reign. Jesus clearly conquered over both. He overcame them. He undid them. And so in him, we find true hope and life. You are under his headship now. 
you were put under his reign and rule in baptism. In those blessed waters, your body and flesh were transferred from the kingdom and reign of sin. You were set free from slavery to the sin. No longer does it determine who you are and whose you are. You are under God's name. You are under his reign and rule. And his reign and rule is what of life. His reign and rule is a kingdom of restoration and healing, for he has fought for you. He has come to your rescue and mine. He has come to be our true king, a good head, not one that enslaves us or brings us into ruin, but one that delivers us into life and salvation. You have moved from being under sin to be under his righteousness which is not here to judge you, but to cover you, to set you in this world aright. No longer are you condemned. In Jesus, you are justified. You are forgiven. Your sins are washed away and covered because he stands over you. He stands before you. He stands protecting you from the world, from the devil, from Adam's sin, and yes, even from your own sinful flesh. So contemplate your sin. Look over God's righteous decrees and laws. Recognize how you have contributed to this world where death reigns. The death reigns here. Recognize how you have empowered the sin in all our lives. And repent. Return to the Lord's grace and mercy in Christ Jesus. Trust in the salvation he has won for you. The righteousness he has established to protect you and deliver you. For his righteousness is yours. Rejoice. Rejoice in his gift of true righteousness to you. Rejoice in his deliverance given to you. And no longer walk in the pattern of Adam. For he is not your head anymore. Walk in the pattern of Christ. Walk in his goodness and righteousness. Look to his law and rejoice to pattern your life in Christ's footsteps. Walk in his ways. Always keep your eyes and your heart on his gracious gift to you. Forgiveness that abounds to cover all your transgressions and give you eternal life in him. Peace of God which passes all understanding Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor 
and give you peace. Amen.